When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Berg Steeler fans. What's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of Fans First Sports Network. Welcome back on a Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. I know I did. Got to get out and get some golf in. It's exciting. It's getting warmer. It's getting downright hot where I live. Hopefully you all enjoyed your weekend and hopefully you're ready for this podcast. I'm excited for this podcast, not because of OTAs coming to its close and the mandatory mini camp approaching. None of that. Not, I mean, I'm excited for that, but I, what I'm excited about in this podcast is I am excited about the guest. The Monday morning, Monday morning conversation today is someone that's never been on the show before. I've done shows with him, and he's heard on the Steel Curtain Network. That is our own Shannon White. Now, Shannon White and I both were born. He still lives in West Virginia. I don't. I'm in Maryland now, but we were both uh, from West Virginia. And so I'm excited to have him on. And like I said, this is always great for me because sometimes I haven't spoken with Shannon one-on-one before about the Steelers. I've heard him talk. He's heard me talk. I've been on shows with multiple people with him, but never one-on-one. This could be good. Shannon is, Shannon does not tell the same story that everyone else does. He definitely sees things differently. So Shannon White, our own Shannon White at the Steel Curtain Network, is coming up right after this break for a Monday morning conversation. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. <laughs> It is Monday. It's time for the Monday Morning Conversation right here on the Let's Ride Podcast. We have a first-timer here today, folks. He has never been on the Let's Ride Podcast. I have done a Steelers hangover with him before, but never had him on one-on-one. That is none other than the legendary Shannon White. What's up, Shannon? I'm I'm doing great this evening. This is just such a privilege. I've told you all the time, but I've been wanting to be on your podcast and, and, <laughs> and do another one with you because you have been on the Steel Curtain. But yeah. uh, this is just a, an honor, and I've been looking forward to it, so I'm excited. Yeah, and we are both brethren of the state of West Virginia. Uh, you are from the southern portion of the state. I am from the northern panhandle of the state. Uh, you know, if, for those listening on audio, which that's the only way you can hear this right now, if you were to take your left hand and you make a middle, you put up your middle finger like you're flipping someone off, but have your thumb out, you're looking at the state of West Virginia. Well, in case you are not familiar with the geography, I grew up in the middle finger part. So the Northern Panhandle, Shannon's way down here on the bottom by the the bottom of the thumb. Shannon, how did you become a Steelers fan 
all the way down in that portion. It's easy for me. I'm only 40 minutes out of Pittsburgh from where I grew up. But for you, all the way in the southern part of the state, how did you become a Steeler fan? Well, how much time we got? (laughs) It takes me about uh, three and a half hours to get to Pittsburgh in in good traffic. And I do drive fast. But (laughs) I was going to say, that's a pretty quick drive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, uh, my family, uh, my uncle, was uh, he did a lot in the uh, coal mining industry mm-hmm. and he dealt with the steel mills in Pittsburgh because he sold his coal and his product up there. So he was very familiar with uh, businessmen in Pittsburgh and he grew to respect the Rooney family because of all his ties in Pittsburgh. And he would tell me stories and I would sit in the house I live in now, I would sit and we had a black and white TV over the corner. It was my great grandparents' house. And I would sit and watch Steeler games with my family. And he would tell me stories. And he would talk about how Mr. Rooney, they were the laughing stock in the 60s of the NFL. And nobody they would come in and play their second and third streak players because they didn't want their starters getting hurt because they could beat the Steelers easily with their backups. Because Mr. Rooney would have guys back then, they had to work an offseason job. Yeah. And a lot of them worked in the steel mills. So what he would do is he would keep them on the Steelers' payroll and keep them past their expiration date, so to speak, because he cared about them and their families. He was a good man. And my uncle knew that. And he had actually met him and and some of the family. And so I grew to respect the Rooney's before I even become a huge Steelers fan. And then I remember, I can't remember the first couple of Super Bowls. Yeah, But by 77, 78, I was old enough to pay attention more and, and really understand what I was watching. So uh, I love the the Steelers. That's where my fandom started from, and, yeah. it, and it's never changed. I love all sports, but there's only one team I've loved my whole life, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. So did you get the games on television down where you yes, were in West Virginia? the Steelers are regional here. Okay. See, folks that are listening to this that don't know, maybe you're listening overseas. I know I have people that listen in Germany and all these other countries. They are in the same state. West Virginia is not a big state, but they could, where I grew up and where he grew up and where he lives currently, you could not be in further portions of, like, it's like a different state where I'm mm-hmm. from, the Northern Panhandle, you know? And uh, But it's great to have you on the show, and it's great to have someone that has the, the history. I didn't know about that and your family connection to the Roonies and having some type of relationship with them. Good people, that's always great to hear. I want to ask you about something now, Shannon, I've listened to your podcast for a long time. Uh, and I've always, I've always admired your honesty because you are willing to say exactly what you think, whether the fans want to hear it or not. And I think most people, whether it's on our YouTube channel or whether it's in the audio platform, appreciate the fact that you are kind of no holds barred when it comes to your thoughts on the Steelers. So now recently with organized team activities, you know, going into week three, Everyone's talking about everything from Kenny Pickett year two to the rookie class, all of it. There's been these conversations that have happened, or maybe I should say interviews, predominantly with quarterbacks, mainly Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. And they're talking about the perceived improvement of the offense. I mean, Mason Rudolph was on, I don't know where the interview was. I saw the quotes on Twitter and he said, God, this is going to look totally different. It's going to be totally different. Okay. I hope so. But still, Kenny Pickett saying they're light years ahead of where they were last year at this time. Again, I would hope so. Cause you had Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, 
Pickett was a rookie. Chris Oladokun was a rookie. Mason Ruff was the only incumbent quarterback at that time. Everyone's saying what we want to hear, but I want to ask you, Shannon, being Mr. Honesty that you are, are you buying what they're selling and that there is this perceived change and improvement in the offense heading into 2023? I want to believe it. I've watched Matt Canada's offenses. I didn't have no clue who he was when the Stars hired him. But, you know, Kevin Smith and, and Jeffrey Benedict did background stories and, and, and articles, and I started doing a little bit of a deep dive on him. And I've seen his offenses in the past be very effective. And a lot of his play, you know, locations, if, if he had the talent to run it. Like we've talked about recently, he is very good at using his H-backs. He's very good at designing plays to get his tight ends open. He's really good with a mobile quarterback. There's certain things. That, uh, he has a weakness in the passing game, though, as a coordinator, and that he does not use his outside receivers well. Now, they brought in Thomas, so they're trying to get some help there for him in the passing game. And it sounds like, based on what, as you said, the quarterbacks are saying, that they have expanded the playbook. So hopefully that is the case. My biggest question, Mark, because I believe the offense is approved all the way across the board, including the depth. My biggest question mark will be Matt Canada and the effectiveness of his offense this season. Do you think that Matt Canada's effectiveness, like you mentioned, is also tied to Kenny Pickett's second year jump, as we all hope that it's a sophomore jump and not a sophomore slump? I mean, would that would they not be intertwined and connected, so to speak? Because if Pickett's struggling, that limits what that that limits what Canada can do. Do you view that uh, as being connected, or do you view them as two separate ent entities? No, they have to work in conjunction for sure. You know, when I look at the advantages that Patrick Mahomes has had working with Andy Reid, who's a brilliant offensive mind, and if you ever watch them on the sidelines, their connection and their interaction, Reid will pay attention to nobody else, and that offense comes off the field, and he's over sitting down, on the bench, talking to uh, Mahomes when it's necessary. They doesn't do it every time they come off the field. But you see, if there's some struggles or some miscommunication, he's right there. It's not the offensive coordinator, per se. He takes the matters into his own hands because he is over that offense. He is an offensive-minded head coach. Those quarterbacks have an advantage over a defensive-minded head coach who has to rely on the quality of his hire. And in this case, it is Matt Canada. So I wish that Pickett had a situation he had a more hands-on. Again, you know, he works out of the press box. Sometimes it's good to be able to speak one-on-one -on -one with the guy and, and go over and look at the tablet and go over the plays together. I see pluses and minuses both ways, but I just wish that Pickett had a little bit of a of closer relationship with Canada. Uh, as far as on the sidelines, and, and I don't know if that's going to change this year or not. We'll see. Uh, I think that um, the quarterback's coach, I can't, his name is escaping me at the moment. Mike Sullivan. Mike Sullivan. I think he does a great job, but again, he's not the one calling plays. It's Matt Canada. Right. But Pickett is an experienced second year quarterback in the fact that he is going to be 25. So he's not, you know, a 21, 22 year old second year guy like, say, Ben was. Uh, I, I think that it is going to be imperative 
that Pickett takes that next step in the development, that he can be aggressive but still adhere to the ball security wants and needs of the offense that the Steelers are wanting to run. Because last year he threw a lot of balls that either his guy could catch it or nobody could catch it. And that's what Tom wanted. But this year to take the next step, especially in the red zone efficiency, he needs to be able to have the confidence to put that ball into tighter spaces. All right. I want to ask you one last question on the offense, mainly with Matt Canada, before we move on to our next topic. And it's true or false, but I'm definitely going to give you the opportunity to elaborate. True or false, based on the moves that have been made this offseason, both in free agency and the NFL draft, we're talking the offensive line, Darnell Washington, you name it, you know what I'm talking about. Matt Canada has all the pieces of the puzzle that he would need to be successful in 2023. In other words, there's nothing else that he could ask for outside of saying like, well, give me Patrick Mahomes. You know what I'm talking about. So true or false, he has everything that he needs. What do you think? Absolutely true. Really? So, okay. So so it's it's put up or shut up time, and it just happens to be a contract here, so that's fitting for the Steelers mm-hmm. as well. So, all right. Let's go to the next topic, which kind of does fall in line with what I just mentioned about moves that have been made this past offseason. Omar Khan's first real stint with free agency. Yes, he did sign Larry Ogunjobi last year after Kevin Colbert retired. Yes, he was the one that got the Minka Fitzpatrick deal done. Yes, he made moves, and obviously we all will talk about and clamor about the Chase Claypool trade for, well, probably ever, because it was just so good. (laughs) But at the same time, I want to ask you about roster construction. This is something I've heard you talk about on other podcasts. You definitely have a passion for how the how the team is being built and the desire to really get into the trenches and improve that and enforce those lines. Do you think, or do you approve of what Omar Khan has done? And when you, if you were to try and pinpoint changes between Khan and Colbert, what would that be? Well, I definitely are pro Khan. He is the Khan artist. I love the nickname. He's earned it. I think that Andy Weidel doesn't get the credit he needs to get mm-hmm. because I believe that we know Khan. He is a disciple of Kevin Colbert, but he's also been willing to leave the status quo, the ultra conservative, you know, horde future draft capital. He Khan has developed relationships within the league with other GMs. A lot of it comes from Andy Waddle. And he's utilized that, and they've worked together to benefit. Because sometimes, as I've said in a comment today on a thread, you have to give a little to get a little. Sometimes down the road, they have to say, okay, I can make a deal with this guy, and he's going to return to favor somewhere down the road, and he's not going to make me look like a fool because he expects so much in return on any of these deals that they always end up being one-sided. And if you look back at most of the deals that Colbert made outside of the desperation move to get Devin Bush, he come out smelling like a rose in most cases. And But he couldn't make very many deals because, one, he wanted to hold on to any future draft capital. Well, Con, they already showed it in this draft. They move up a couple spots to make sure they get Broderick Jones. Then they trade back to get into the fourth round again because they didn't want to miss out on that fourth round pick, which they used on Nick Kirby. Yeah. They were, they're more flexible. They're more modern. They have better connections. So they, therefore they can wheel a deal. If they have seven picks next year, 
they might say, okay, depending on how this roster looks at the end of this season, there's not going to be seven spots available. We're not going to have too many openings. So we're going to maybe move a little bit of that capital to increase the value of our top picks to go after certain guys that they want, knowing they can always trade again later on, even going in, you know, if they use some of 2025's draft capital. But that's that's the creativity, that's the flexibility that Kevin Colbert just did not have anymore. His, he, he was great in the first half of his career because his style was perfect for the Steelers. It's what they wanted to do, focus it through the draft. And it worked, and he built Super Bowl teams. When he had the killer bees and they had that offense, they needed a defensive player or two to put that team over the top, and he could not make the moves necessary. Whether he was unwilling, he didn't want to give up the draft capital, or he didn't have the connections in the league. So I think Khan is the modern example of a GM. He's got, I think it's a tag team with him and Weidel. And I think the Steelers are set up for their next championship run. And one of the biggest reasons why we want to talk about, well, they had being on Ben's contracts off the books. Well, all these top teams, Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes already on a, a franchise quarterback contract. So you have to get creative to work around that. And that was something that Kevin Colbert lacked was creativity in that position. We're seeing it now. I love how you use the term modern because I think that's what comes to mind when I think of Omar Khan. He is in touch with the modern style of the NFL. And whether it's con contract structure, how they structure their deals, whether it's modern ways of negotiations in terms of trades, whether that's the draft or whether that's before the trade deadline. I guess my next question is, you know, you talked about how Kevin Colbert handled himself. Do you, you think that he was a little dated by the end of the, by the end of his tenure in Pittsburgh? I mean, it kind of seemed that way. I remember reading articles about, you know, Dave Schofield would talk about this. The Steelers don't use void years. I know why they don't use void years, but I also know why teams do use void years. Did you think Kevin Colbert was kind of getting a little dated by the end of his time? I think it's the nature of the beast. Any of us, as we get older, and as an old man, I know, you get, <laughs> you, you're set in your ways, and it's comfortable, and it's worked. So in your mind, it's going to work again. Even if you see the, the, the evolution of the position, of the game, of the – being a GM, start to move away from your style. You're like, well, we're going to stick with what works. We know this works. We're all about stability. But, yes, at the end, whether it was incapable, he didn't have developed – he no longer had those relationships around the NFL to do the things that needed to be done. But he was definitely dated, and it was definitely time for a change. Now, understand, I have the utmost respect for Kevin Colbert. He'll always be a Steelers legend to me and I and I love the guy. But that's just being truthful. People want to say, well, at the end, Ben was old and he didn't have the same arm anymore and he wasn't athletic and he couldn't move. All that's true. But at the end, we see Peyton Manning win the Super Bowl last year. We've seen John Elway. You have to have the creativity to build a team around the quarterback that still has the smarts and still has the capability, but no longer has the athleticism. And to do that, it would have took creativity. Instead, they were running Ben out there with a uh, all new offensive line two years in a row, 
without the, the necessary talent surrounding him. And then naturally it's going to be a disaster, but just because of the Steelers culture, Mike Tomlin as head coach, Ben Roethlisberger, the ultimate winner, they was able to stay 500 or better. But that doesn't mean that it was a, a good uh, style or the right way to handle the situation. I wonder if we're going to see anybody play their whole career in just the Steelers uniform again, like Ben did, because you're like they're coming into another situation coming up with Cam Hayward. Yeah. And, and you know, there's going to be tough decisions to be made. And I think Con and Weidel will make those decisions differently. To give people an example, so I think that sometimes this definitely happened when Omar Khan was hired, an internal hire. The fan base as a as a collective just went. Oh boy, here we go. They, you know, promoting from within. Like we've we've seen this song and dance so many times. But here's here's maybe a little bit of a glimpse of what was different. So when you're answering to someone, Omar Khan was answering to Kevin Colbert. He can't always do things the way that he wants to do them, especially from a contract perspective. So this offseason, the Steelers bring in Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree visits, and now I, he I think he wanted to come back to Pittsburgh, but what did Pittsburgh want? They wanted a two-year contract. He did not want a two-year contract. Why did they want a two-year contract? That gives Omar Khan the ability to move money around the multiple seasons. He said he wanted a one-year deal to prove himself because he wants another payday. I get it. I understand that. So he leaves. He signs with Atlanta eventually. Quan Alexander visits. Leaves without a contract. Don't think for a second that Omar Khan isn't doing something similar. Yeah, we want you but we want you on our terms. So if you're not willing to sign on our terms, go test the waters. You might be coming back to us and you might be thinking, okay, well, what about the outside linebacker? They just signed, you know, Marcus golden. He might've just said, I'll take a one-year deal. And they said, it's cheap enough. Let's make the deal. We need an outside linebacker three. We've got Nick Herbig who needs a year to develop. That could just be an example or a glimpse for me painting a picture. For those of you that are wondering, what are some examples of, of how is that different from Colbert. Colbert might have made that one-year deal with Bud Dupree, and it might have really hamstrung them from a salary cap perspective because of it. Omar Khan is like the modern uh, the modern GM. Now, my next question is much more broad for you, uh, Shannon, because, again, you're a realist. You live in that honest-to-goodness, this is what I see. I'm not going to I'm not going to look at things through black and gold glasses. I'm going to look at them the way I see them through my lens. What is your overall outlook for 2023 for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I'm very excited based on the aspect of Kenny Pickett showed us that he had the it factor last year. Now his numbers were pedestrian. He was in a very ineffective offense. They could control the time of possession. They could control the clock. They great job with the ball security. They couldn't score. They get in the red zone and they, they just could not punch the ball in that. They won a lot of close games that a, a bounce here, there, they could have lost easily. But they did finish 7-2, so that does matter. I see Kenny Pickett having the capabilities, because the factor is what you never know about a quarterback until he proves it. There's guys that have put up massive numbers year after year. Kirk Cousins immediately comes to mind. But when that the lights are the brightest and the pressure's on, the guy caves. Uh He's not being able to get the job done. We've already seen Kenny Pickett do it. Now he has to show that he's capable of taking that next step. I feel positive about the situation because I believe he will. Now there's going to be growing pains. There always is for a second-year quarterback. And I think that there will be improvement, but it's a new cast. Just like last year, 
in the preseason were like, oh, you know, what's going on with James Daniels? Yeah. Shannon's saying that he's the best offensive lineman out there. The Steelers <laughs> got the best guard. And I, but I believe that wholeheartedly. He didn't look like it in the preseason in the first couple of weeks. But boy, when he got used to the new, his yeah. teammates, Pat Myers' new scheme and style, he just had an incredible year that went unnoticed. But as that line gelled, Mason Cole's another, they showed what they could do to Matt Canada's strengths, which is as a running game coordinator. Now they brought in Thomas. Now he's going to try to open up his playbook. They're going to use Connor Hayward as the H-back. Instead of having Derek Watt, who was really not a threat on offense at all, Connor Hayward is. I think Connor Hayward is kind of the secret weapon, if you would. And then I think he's going to have a very effective year in Matt Canada's offense based on how Canada's used H-backs in the past. You have a weapon now that if you hit Washington with some of the plays you hit uh, Gentry with last year, Washington is way more athletic, he's way faster, and he will generate big plays. Last year's offense did created hardly any splash plays. They have Calvin Austin III, so they have the speed element. If he can prove that he can stay healthy and he's strong and tough enough at his size to play, which some guys are in his size, they have Washington who can be a big play receiver, especially in the red zone. You got a guy like Akeem Butler, if he makes the team, incredible size. There is a lot of potential there. Also on the defensive side, they last year when, when Watt was out, you can't be that dependent on one player. Right. But that is looks like a totally different team. Guys, uh Highsmith and, and Hayward and those guys were easily they could be focused on double team. I think Highsmith had nightmares about chip blocks from running backs. Because every time he tried to pass rush, he was getting chipped before that running back would leak out. That you can't, you're not going to be a very effective pass rusher in those situations. We see his numbers with what and without, even though what was probably 80% at best. At best, yeah. So if he can stay healthy, they've added, they've upgraded pretty much everywhere besides strong safety. I believe that Pat, uh, Peterson is a upgrade from Cam Sutton. Uh, especially from an experience factor, from an athleticism factor. And I think he's going to, he's just a great mentor for both Porter and Trice. And the, what they're going to do is strong safety. I'm not entirely sure because Neil can, he can do a great job. He's probably even a better box safety than Edmonds, but he is not a tight end coverage guy. He's not a guy that can move over to the slot. You do not want him in the slot. So there is a few still questions that need answered. They upgraded it inside linebacker, in my opinion, that they got rid of guys who were bystanders, who liked to watch what was happening, and now they got guys that's going to be imposing their will. Now, is how they're going to cover, we're not sure. Uh, hopefully, they'll do good there. But uh, bottom line is I see that they have an opportunity, if things go right, to be in that wild card pursuit to maybe finish second in their division, and then you see what happens. You know, that second year for a quarterback, a lot of times is that stepping stone to that third year where they really hit. Now, Ben had the team around him, so he hit right. in his second year. Yeah. Now, what what would you say in terms of record is the ceiling and the floor for this 2023 Sealers team? So if everything goes right, you mentioned the ball bouncing the right way a little bit earlier in the podcast. If everything goes the Steelers' way, what is that record? And then also – if you flip the switch and say, if everything doesn't go their way, 
What's the floor? What's your ceiling and floor for this year? Uh, ceiling, I would say 12 and five. Ooh, okay. Um, that's ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and floor, uh, let's say Watts out injured again right. and, and things of that nature. I think they're a little better ready and prepared to handle it, but I would say seven to eight wins is their floor. Okay. Uh, based on the schedule this year, which is yeah. much besides the West coast trip, which the Silvers don't do good on the West coast. They have an easier schedule. Yeah. Um, and I think per, personally, I think they win 11 games and are right there in it for the wild card. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm just, you brought up the West coast stuff just uh, off the top of my head. Ben always typically struggled on the West coast. I'll be really anxious to see if this is a Steelers thing, or maybe it was just a Ben Roethlisberger thing. He didn't, he didn't like the time change. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but I'm actually really looking forward to this upcoming season. And I know that you are as well. Shane, I want to give you an opportunity to tell people not just, I mean, everyone knows by now where they can find you on the Steelers hangover and also on the curtain call with Jeffrey, but maybe you have an article coming out on the website that you want to plug or to keep your eyes out or show social media. I know you have a Twitter page. Uh, go ahead and tell people where they can find you. Well, I'm not real active in this in social media. I like to follow everybody and, and, and uh, you know, talk about the, everybody's articles and podcasts, but uh, my next article is we're going to be talking about on our next curtain call. We're going to be talking about the outside linebacker position. We talked about the wide receiver position after my last article, and we're going to talk about the outside linebacker. So I'm going to do a little bit more of a, a dive okay. into there. Hopefully, maybe there'll be a new guy. Maybe the Steelers, the Con will, will sign Quan Alexander or somebody here in the next day or two. And, uh, and I'll make sure to add that in as well. But, uh, that's, that'll be the next article is going to be about the outside linebacker position. It, it's always, but that's a funny thing is we talked about the difference between Omar Khan and Kevin Colbert with Colbert. You could kind of get a feel for, okay, he's done. He's not going to make any more moves until camp or until the, the roster cuts. The Steelers only have 89 players on their off season roster. There's still that one spot left. And I think everyone in Steeler nation's like, Man, Khan's not done. There's no yeah. way he's done. <laughs> he's going to fill that spot with someone. Maybe he is. So make sure you check out Shannon on those podcasts as well as on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. He does a great job there. Shannon, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to have you back on the show for sure. Thank you for taking the time. I really do appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jeff. It was a pleasure. I knew it was going to be awesome to be on here with you, and, <laughs> and we definitely didn't disappoint, so I'm really happy. Next time we'll talk about the Pirates, who are on a hot streak right now, but we're not going to talk about that right now. So I love it. <laughs> Take it easy, Shannon. Have a good. Yeah. And a big thank you to Shannon for taking the time uh, on this Monday morning to be on the show. It was great talking with him. Love it. Definitely going to have him back uh, before the season starts. No doubt about it. I hope you all enjoyed that too. Listen, it is Tuesday. Now, it's, now today's Monday. That's not Tuesday, but tomorrow's Tuesday. You got to pay attention. For my Twitter feed, you can follow me or find me. You don't have to follow me, but at Jay Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Every Tuesday morning, I put out the tweet, hey, need questions for the mailbag? Fire away. You all respond to that tweet. I answer those live on Wednesday for the for the mailbag segment of the Let's Ride podcast, so make sure you're on the lookout for that. That does it for me. Hope you all have a great start to your week. You know how we finished out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless have a great start to your week. We will see you on Wednesday. 